Hello, Choose Love Movement podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us today. Our goal at the Choose Love Movement is to offer social and emotional intelligence to every individual. Those are essential life skills that help us have healthy relationships, manage our emotions, grow through difficulties we face in life, and basically take responsibility for our lives, be happy, and flourish. Please check out our free programs for schools, homes, communities, and even businesses. This all started with a brave young boy's final chalkboard message of nurturing, healing, love. And we've grown to over 10,000 schools in every state and over 100 countries. Join the movement to choose love in your community and make the world a safer, more peaceful and loving place. Today, we have an amazing guest, Peggy Fitzsimmons, who's here to talk about her book, Release, Create a Clutter-Free and Soul-Driven Life. Peggy has a PhD in counseling psychology and has worked in that field for over 25 years. She has an impressive resume that includes working as a consulting producer on Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday. The most impressive thing about Peggy, however, is that she manages stuff, clutter in your house, in your mind, your emotions, your energy, and your relationships. Everyone needs to listen to this podcast. Um, Mom, are you listening? Uh, Peggy, uh, I wanted to add a little personal note in my introduction to you. You ended the book's introduction with, it'll be fun, promise, end quote. And when I responded to an email with you, I said, we will have a lot of fun, I promise. And I've never ended an email that way. And I just, you know, just to give you some context, Jesse, um, my son who left the nurturing, healing, love message, left this little note for his big brother on his desk before he died that said, have a lot of fun. That message is part of everything that we do at the Choose Love Movement. And I just thought that it was an incredible sign that we were meant to do this together and to share this message with our audience and that we would have fun. And I love you already. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Scarlett. Yeah, it's, uh, there's magic, there's magic, magic, magic everywhere. So here we are. It's true. It's true. And, and um, we were talking before and I said, there are no coincidences, only God winks. And I truly believe that. And I was talking to you, I was trying to describe my book without showing it to you that it is, um, I, I, I have to say it's tattered. Uh, and it's because I've read it forward and backwards. I have it all marked up with yellow uh, highlighter as well as the uh, tabs that I've started to use so I can find places quickly. It's such an important book and I loved it. And the minute I put it down, I went into our downstairs bathroom and took out tins and bins and bags that I had shoved under things that literally culminated into five big boxes. I couldn't believe I'd fit it all in there. And I had no idea that I had bags of razors, pads, hot, cold compresses, creams, hundreds of hotel shampoo bottles, so much. My son walked in after and he couldn't believe because that stuff has been packed in there his whole life. And he's 20 years old. He doesn't remember a time when that bathroom wasn't packed. And it feels so different now, like lighter and airy and the dust 
Don't even get me started. It feels good, like a new beginning. And am I making too much of that? No, 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 no. (laughs) It's everything. It's everything because it's all a representation of, you know, it's like it's it's too much stuff. It's stagnant energy. It's it's not paying attention in your life. It's thinking that having things makes you safe and secure. You know, you've got enough pads and mm, shampoo bottles right. and you're never going <laughs> to yes. never going to be getting caught out and not be prepared. It's true. I mean, there's just so many levels of of clutter and what it means and what it represents and and how we live with it and how we are unaware that we're living with it. We just get used to it. Yeah. And then we don't even see it. We don't even know it's there. I've been buying these things for 20 years and I've had them. You know what I mean? It's, it's so crazy. And you're right. For me, I think it is, it is safety and security. It absolutely is. Oh yeah. And you know, that's, that's part of our culture. You know, we are sold that story over and over about we don't have enough. We need more. Be careful. Watch out. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're prepared. All these things are just we're bombarded with it internally in our own minds and then collectively as a culture. Um, and I talk about the fact that we're actually born with a negative bias, this safety mechanism where we focus on the negative, and that is to keep us safe. So basically, our brains were created to keep us safe. So we actually have to be aware of that to be able to overcome it. And maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe that's part of my problem. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, the way I write about it, and there's many different perspectives, of course, but I I kind of broke it down into, you know, we have these two aspects, you know, our ego aspect Mm -hmm. and our soul aspect. Mm -hmm. And we, we are all living with both of them. And there's no getting rid of the ego, you know, there's no floating off with your soul because we're here on this planet until we're not, right? And so these two aspects coexist and they're really, they really live differently in the world. You know, the soul is eternal, it's wise, it's loving, you know, our soul knows peace, it knows joy, it knows gratitude, it's it's free, it's unattached, right? It's connected to everything in all these Godwink sort of ways. Um, and then we have an ego aspect, and the ego is who we think we are, you know, and it's, it's worried about self-preservation and success mm-hmm. and survival and all these, you know, fear, competition, scarcity, lack. So it's a, it's an interesting human condition we have that we've got these two aspects and I write about them as kind of, you know, as we drive through life, you know, who's at the wheel at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of that ego aspect is at the wheel and in your bathroom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it felt really good to let it go. What what brought you on this journey that led you to write this book? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I always, I kind of credit the decluttering aspect of things back to my ex-husband, Ralph, who, you know, he didn't have much. He, and he took care of what he had. And, and so when I met him, that kind of became my way. Not that I had that much prior. I don't really remember actually, but it just solidified, you know, that I was going to live a little bit differently. And then I was, I worked in the wilderness as a wilderness therapist, you know, taking troubled kids out for 21 day expeditions. And, um, 
And I learned pretty quickly there, you know, you have what you have in your backpack. And if you lose your spoon, you know, you, <laughs> you use a stick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, everything that was essential was in that backpack. And nothing else was really necessary. So that kind of, you know, that experience, you know, also landed in me in that way. Um, and I think also that I, I always lived more for experience than for things. So the jobs I've done, the places I've gone, the people I've met, I've always been very much about going towards the next experience. So um, not having stuff was part of that. You know, I needed to be unencumbered to take the next opportunity. And, you know, I've lived a lot of places and traveled a lot of journeys, you know, in different realms. And I haven't, um, I just don't have a lot of stuff. And that's helped me. Yeah. It's- let me, let me clarify. I don't have a lot of physical stuff. Now we all have mental <laughs> clutter, emotional clutter. I don't want to make it like, I'm just clutter free here. No, no, no. We're all in this together. And, and that's why my book is an invitation to help for us to help each other remember the truth about these two aspects. Yeah, you taught it's, it's some of the book is about stuff, but just as much of it is about decluttering our mind and our emotions and our energy and our relationships all seems to be interconnected. Yeah. It's all connected, and that's why it doesn't matter where you start. You know, cleaning out that bathroom opens up stagnant energy, starts to flow. You know, now your son comes in, and he says, wow, mom. And now he has a different experience of you. And then then you have a different experience of him because you see him noticing that he's never been without a bathroom like this. So now, now there's some new opening between you two right? And the energy shifts and you get more aware of like, wow, I've been buying all this stuff and stockpiling it. You know, we're all hoarders. I'm going to say that very clearly in the book too. You know, we're all hoarders. Um, so as we release, as we let things let go of us, everything shifts. Emotions, energetics, thoughts, relationships, it's all tied together. <laughs> I love that you say we're all hoarders. <laughs> I know <laughs> no uh, one likes to hear that, so I'm glad you love it. <laughs> I lo- I like that because it makes me feel better. I'm actually looking around at these piles in my office, but I'm also thinking about my mom, who you know I have three little brothers, and they all kind of accuse her at one point or another of of hoarding. Um, but she has she has a a an antique shop. <laughs> And so it's really given us over the last 20 years license to buy what we love. And then if we love it so much, we move it into our house houses and we move something else out that we are ready to release. Um, but too much, probably too often we don't move that other thing out and we just keep stuffing stuff in <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> for the shop but for us which is kind of it was been fun but but it results in a lot of stuff for sure yeah well i think what you just said is super important i always tell people like if you're gonna jump on this decluttering journey um like from this point on if, if you bring something into your house release something in exchange you know and it and it can be 
anything. It doesn't have to be like, well, I brought in a shirt. I'm getting rid of a shirt. It's kind of like I brought in a shirt. Okay, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to release something else that, that no longer serves. And that at least keeps you in some sort of homeostasis, right, without more accumulation. But it's not our natural thing. You know, we tend to, well, it is our natural thing, but our ego part is always like more, more, more. Um, and and some of it's good, right? It's beauty. It's um, things you love. Like you said, you're attracted yes. to a certain aesthetic or a certain sense of history, you know, with antiques. Um, but you have to feel into when it starts to just be a little too much. Absolutely. Um, I love this thought, and I'm quoting from the book. Does this thought feeling, energy, way of relating, or possession help you serve your love to the world? That was yeah. a question, but it's it's a powerful question. Wow. Who, yeah. who, you know, that's such a wonderful, mindful way of walking around your house and looking at your possessions and asking that question. Absolutely. The, the only thing we are here for, I mean, we are, we are souls first and foremost. We have ego minds that are with us. We are here temporarily and we are here for one reason, one purpose, and that's to share our love with the world in our unique ways. And, and it's different for everyone. Somebody does it through music. Somebody does it like you through this incredible, you know, programming you've developed and changing kids' lives, you know, born from your own tragedy. You know, we all have our ways. Um, and I say serve your love to the world because it's true. You know, we're here to be of service and in mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned that I, I lived and worked at the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. But oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a that's family and home to me. I lived there for four years and it's um, it's the nation's largest holistic learning center. And it's been around for, you know, 35, 40 years. Um, but when I lived and worked there for 50 bucks a week, I will also mention <laughs> um, it was all about being in service and learning about service. And um, so that's that's the only game in town. You know, that's the only trip we're on. And um, and people are people get confused about about what we're doing here. Right. Are we here to accumulate and make sure we have enough and have, you know, tons of zeros in our bank account um, and all that, which, you know, some of that's important. We're living in this human realm. Right. You have to have money to pay for things and that sort of stuff. But but the only game in town is how you're serving your love. And for me, this book was a way to do that for me, you know, to serve my love to the world. Yes, and it definitely, definitely did that. And I, um, I learned that lesson the hard way, losing mm -hmm. my son, and then realizing. And then I realized that, oh my God, every we are responsible for what's happening in our world, and we're here to serve. I mean, I, I literally found my purpose in serving, and realized that my purpose was service. And it completely changed my life. And I realized everything that I had done before, every job, every relationship I'd ever had was made in fear. And I just 
decided, gosh, at, at the time, it seemed like I had nothing else to be afraid of after after Jesse's murder. So I just decided I'm going to live my life in love and faith. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life in service. And it's been the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, for you to have done that under the circumstances of your son and everything that happened, I mean, that that's the ultimate um, example of of the soul taking the wheel, not the ego, because you could have spent, and I'm sure you had many moments of ego of, you know, rage and anger and grief and suffering and all of that. But in the end, the soul took the wheel and said, no, you know, I'm going to meet this moment with consciousness, with awareness, with the truth of who I am, mm -hmm. who Jesse mm -hmm. was, who everybody is. I mean, that's, powerful, powerful modeling. You know, most people spend the rest of their lives in resentment and rage and bitterness, you know, and, and many people do things like you did. They create mm -hmm. love from, from love and loss, you know, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um, you, you, you're doing it. Well, I felt I, I didn't have a choice. I was given a direction from Jesse with that chalkboard message, nurturing, healing, love. And I knew that's what I had to spread. And uh, so thank you, Jesse, for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love when you say everything we hold on to carries weight. And this is what we've been talking about has a cost and requires energy from us. Everything we hold on to carries weight, has a cost and requires energy from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's everything. That's, um, you know, jealous thoughts. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, fear and shame type of emotions. It's energies, you know, needing, wanting, pushing, resisting, um, it's all the relational things we hold on to, you know, judgments and disharmony and petty conflicts. And I know what's best for you and you're not doing it my way and therefore you're wrong. And, um, and then of course, all the physical, physical things that we hang on to, like stuff in the bathroom, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you, I guess, you know, it's just developing an awareness that you can do by reading this book, developing an awareness of, of what that is, and then really being present with how it is literally physically um, and psychologically, figuratively weighing you down. Yeah, because our souls are light. Our souls are free. Our souls are, you know, unencumbered. Really, you know, we're we're in a. The soul is at, at home in the present moment, right? Just like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm safe. I'm accepting. I'm content. Everything's okay. You know, right now, everything is okay. And and the ego is bouncing around in the past, you know, remembering this or that, and jumping ahead to the future and what if and you know what's going to happen next and how can I pre be prepared and how can I plan and you know be hyper vigilant and all these things so our minds are trying to take us away from where our souls are most at home which is that lightness and that freedom so we're always in this kind of contradictory place where we're 
we're wanting to be free and move and and be light you know and yet we're stuck in these giant houses full of things in every room in every closet in every drawer you know yes and then you extrapolate it you know you extrapolate it to you know, every house in your own neighborhood, you know, on your street, in your neighborhood, in your town, in your city. I mean, it, it's stunning, you know, stunning how much stuff there is and, and how people are at once comforted and then also kind of imprisoned by that stuff. It's, it is amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about myself and my own family. You say in your book, remember there are two aspects of you. The one that is comfortable clutter, which is the ego mind, and the one that longs for freedom, which is the soul mind. You're right. There are these two parts of us. And it seems like we're constantly at odds with one another. I'm speaking for myself, <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, we are, we're at odds within ourselves because we have these two aspects and they're, they're constantly, you know, this, the ego is constantly grabbing for the wheel, you know, mm-hmm, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and the ego, you know, I say in the book that when the ego's at the wheel, you know, the song playing on the radio <laughs> in the car is, I am not enough, you are not enough, mm. and there is not enough. Mm. And it's a mindset. And, 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 We are traveling through life, most of us, and most of the time, and in our collective society, with that mindset. I'm not enough. You are not enough. There is not enough. We're bombarded with marketing that says it. We're Mm -hmm. bombarded with news and media. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And in 2020, you know, we really, really saw all that in in more profound ways, you know, that we have become so ego identified. And then also we saw, here comes the soul aspect, you know, there's many more conversations about this sort of thing that we're talking about, uh, spiritual aspects of life, how to be more kind, um, all these systems that are breaking down, you know, outdated financial systems and, um, political systems and um, social systems about who gets to live free and who doesn't, you know, who is, is marginalized and, you know, all these sorts of things. And, you know, I'm speaking about it from the sense that we are all souls. At the end of the day, we are all souls and we're different races. We're different genders. We're different. All that's true. But I'm asking us to meet at the, the place even deeper than that. That just says, wow, you know, here we are temporarily here. What are we going to do to love each other, you know, and to and to not get confused about what really matters? Yeah, that's the question. How are we going to love each other? And I think maybe in 2020, when we were quarantined and we're in our homes with our families, I think we had to look starkly at our surroundings and uh, and not maybe not starkly, but realistically and take stock. And I, I've heard a lot of people that have done that and they have changed professions. Um, They have found 
decoration in their families and and they've done home decorating so they've changed they've made the changes that they've always wanted to make and it seems like it's been i know it's been a, a, an incredibly difficult anguishing time for some and for some it's been a, a time of of lightning and shifting and and movement to a different self absolutely i mean we we've all been home with our you know inner and outer stuff there's been lots of you know fear and loneliness and depression and anxiety and you know then being in the home and with seeing all the stuff and you know i i feel like this time is you know i feel like we're in the birth canal of a new consciousness i mean that's how i'm holding this so um we don't want to come out of this the same, you know, individually mm-hmm. or societally. And and I don't think we are. And I think a lot of people, including myself, um, with all the, the horror and tragedy of the COVID time and, uh, you know, all of it is, you know, it's been horrible for many, many people. But there have been a lot of lights within that. And um, I think people kind of settled down into like, Oh, you know, less distraction, you know, less consuming, you know, more focused on the family, what mm-hmm. matters, things mm-hmm. slowing down, spending more time in nature, questioning things. I mean, this is, these are the gifts of this time. Um, you know, we're being called into a wiser world, in my opinion. I mean, that's, why else are we here, right? So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to enter a, a phase where the, I think where our souls are directing our lives more than our egos. And, you know, the ego is on full display in 2020 in many ways. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think people are shifting and, and that's exciting. You know, that's exciting to me. It is. It is. Um, in your book, you say the soul lives in love. The ego lives in fear. Um our clutter is this fear and suffering made visible. And then you say living from the enough of our soul mind moves us out of suffering and into freedom to a place where clutter can't exist. I love that our clutter is this fear and suffering made visible. And I can use myself as that example, just stockpiling all of this stuff. And I, I know when it started, it started during my divorce when I literally had no money to buy groceries. And so, but I've never moved. That was, that was like 17 years ago. And it, it's kind of like, I haven't moved beyond that, but I mean, obviously I have moved so much further beyond that, but maybe there's a part of me that hasn't. And that's the clutter part, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's true. I think our our spirits move move ahead, and sometimes our physical lags behind. Right? So mm-hmm. you've moved on from your divorce. You've, you know, I don't, I don't know your life, but I mean, you've moved on. You're, you're okay financially. You know, things are different now. And I think, I think with everything, with people get busy and they get focused on the next thing, and then this the clutter in the house just kind of stays there. You know, it just, it's just not addressed it's not noticed it's not looked at it's not seen it's felt though you know every a lot of people will say oh you know that stuff's in the closet that doesn't bother me and you know i disagree you know 
all these things have energetic impact. So, you know, when you walk by that hall closet and you know how stuffed it is, it kind of, you know, hits you in the gut every time you, you, you walk past it or, you know, you open the garage and you go, oh, my God, you know, and then you shut the door. <laughs> and, and I think we do that a lot. You know, we, we look and then we shut the door, you know, and, um, and in your case, you're just ready now for whatever reason, from reading some of this and opening yes. your mind, it's like, oh, oh, wait, now you come into that bathroom or anywhere else in your home with fresh eyes. And, um, and then, and then you start to, to release these things. And it's like, it just snowballs, you know, it's just, it's fun. It's like following the breadcrumbs, you know, one, <laughs> one thing to the next. And and you're right. It, it's not like it doesn't bother you. Um, it doesn't maybe bother you to the point where you're going to do something about it right then. But I can tell you walking through that bathroom, I have this long bench that is across from a shower and it just every inch of it was just stuffed with like baskets stuffed with stuff. I don't even know what's in it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just, uh, just multiple different tins and everything. And then underneath too, there was that stuff. And I would look at it like almost every time. So over 20 years, I'd be like, uh, you know, and right. then I just the, uh, that's yeah. the thing. And most <laughs> of us, I mean, anyone listening to this can relate to that. Uh, right. And then we run into, you know, too much to do. I'm too busy. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I can't deal with it. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I've Um, got stuff in there that I probably am going to need. My jewelry's in there somewhere. And here's the thing. It's like, I have one bathroom downstairs. And so everybody that visits goes into that bathroom. And it's kind of interesting what, if they had read your book, what they could know about me, right? It's pretty Mm -hmm. intimate. (laughs) <laughs> it's very intimate. That's interesting you say that because, you know, I've worked with a lot of people, been in a lot of homes, and and um, and when people say, oh, well, you know, why do you like decluttering and doing that work? And I mean, to me, it's the most sacred and intimate work you can do with someone, because unlike if you go to a therapist's office, let's say for an hour a week, which many of us do, yes, um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> they you know, they don't see, they, you show what you show. Right. But right. for me, when I'm working with someone, it's all right there and it's very vulnerable and people have a lot of shame about it and they have a lot of, um, you know, embarrassment maybe, or a- any number of things, but, but here you are. And when you're with someone in front of their stuff that way, I mean, it's just gorgeous because it's all right there and you can begin to see the patterns and see what the ego mind is, is constantly, you know, what fake news it's constantly spewing to that person because you can see it right there in the room, in the closet, in the drawer, in the garage shelf, shelf you know, on top of the refrigerator. Yeah, I, I, I love those personal stories that you shared and how you would just kind of stop and say, wait a minute, let's let's sit down for a moment and let's think about this. Cause I think, you know, personally, I don't ever let myself sit for two seconds. I, and I tell myself, no, I've got way too much to do. You can't sit and think about something, but it was Mm -hmm. so interesting when you would have a client, you know, you'd ask a question and they'd want to push it off, but you would sit with them. What would come out Mm -hmm. and they'd be able to clear it. A little bit of space, a little bit of quiet. Mm. 
and here comes the soul's intuition here comes the message mm. here comes the wisdom that's all it takes but again the ego mind is like hell no i don't want to be in the present moment i got too much to do i got too mm -hmm. much going on and it just keeps us on a hamster wheel um someone i know was reading my book and there's a, a part where i write about presence and coming present and it's very simple exercise it just says sit for a minute and just say I am present right now and just keep saying it until you feel yourself drop in to that, mm. to presence. And I have a friend who's very, you know, high powered achieving type. And, and she texted me, she said, I read that one sentence and just doing that for 15 seconds. She said, I just started crying. Mm. You know, it's like, that's, that's how far away we are from, entering the space of our soul, which is the present moment, just getting quiet and just being with something, you know, being with a thought, being with an emotion, being with the stuff in your bedroom closet, just being with it. And when you're with it, boy, the answers come quite quickly because your soul's been waiting for you to stop and listen. Yeah, you talk about emotional clutter and you talk about grief. And mm -hmm. you've probably had the best definition of grief I've ever read anywhere. And I've read a lot about grief. You said grief is love with nowhere to go. Mm. Wow. That was so beautiful. I, I, turned the page down and marked it and highlighted it. <laughs> <laughs> Grief is love with nowhere to go. And I think that, you know, we are in a time of deep grief in our nation um, for so many different reasons. We're grieving the change of our world. I mean, it's not, you know, a lot of times we think about grief as, as the loss of a significant other. And, and we're doing that as well for people who have lost loved ones to COVID, but we're also grieving changes, the, the loss of the life that we knew, the loss of being able to see our loved ones, the loss of being with friends, um, especially kids, uh, the loss of grieving, being able to go to school and have routine that you know, see your teachers, um, see faces and, and feel each other, you know, hold hands, hug. Yeah, yeah. And, and the grief of... of losing our innocence a bit, you know, with this scary thing that came in and can take people wantonly, right? The COVID. Yes. Um, so there's a, a grieving of that too, of like, wow, you know, am I, am I safe? Am I really okay? That kind of stuff. And that's when, you know, as you know, from when you experienced, you know, the loss of your son, I'm sure it's like you, you had to hunker down into soul, deep soul truth in the face of everything that would make you not want to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's what's happened to us kind of collectively. People are going, Whoa, you know, what is going on here? And they've had to hunker down to a, a deeper level of things. And grief is part of that. 
yeah, grief is part of that and, and facing our grief and moving through it. I realized after the tragedy at Sandy Hook, there was so much fear about grief. We didn't understand it. We felt like we needed to uh, have a, a degree to deal with it. We, we felt like, you know, we, we might remind somebody about it. I'm saying the proverbial we, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in, in reality, it's none of that. It's, it's literally having the courage to be present with someone and sit with them through it, which is exactly what you would do with your clients. Sit there and just listen and just be with it. Mm-hmm. Right. But that takes courage. It takes courage to be with somebody in an uncomfortable place for them. And um, and so, you know, that's part of what we do in our program. The first thing we work on is courage because courage is so important and we need courage in so many aspects of our life. And research says that we can strengthen it. Yeah. And, 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 and that courage to me, I mean, I'm framing it right now with the way I've framed it in the book, it's like the courage is, is already in there, right? Mm. That's, that's our soul nature. Mm. You know, the ego is about holding on, right? So it's always like, oh no, here comes an emotion. I don't want to feel it. Oh God, mm-hmm. I'm going to push it down. I'm going to stave it off. I'm going to intellectualize it. I'm going to analyze it out of it. What are you um, in my head or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to shut it down. And yet if we just allow it to come, be with it, it comes through, it takes its leave until the next one because it's constant, right? These waves just coming in. And I think that's that's the whole point about all forms of clutter, in my opinion. The, the thoughts that come, the emotions that come, the energies that come, they're, they're just moments in time. And if we can flow with that and trust ourselves to dance with these moments, which the soul knows how to do, but the ego tries to grasp and tighten down and control and manage um so that's that's also really important part of decluttering decluttering is about releasing not holding on and there's all kinds of ways that if you pay attention you'll see where you hold rather than soften where you resist rather than accept Mm. in any given moment i love dance with the moments That's beautiful. And I can visualize that. Um, You say when dealing with trauma, we have an important choice. Ego mind or soul mind. Here we come back to the two minds, ego mind or soul mind. And it's a choice. And well, you say, welcome all your emotions with curiosity and compassion. Mm -hmm. As, as you just said, instead of fear and resistance and it's, it's a choice. And here's the thing. I mean, this is, you know, I, I run the choose love movement (laughs) and, 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 you know, the, the main thing that we teach is that, I mean, the foundational concept is that we can choose love over fear. And I got to tell you, most people aren't consciously aware of that. And I feel like it's the same here. It's the same here. Ego mind, our soul mind. (laughs) And, and it's nothing to, it's nothing to, um, 
you know, uh, judge yourself over at all it's just it's just welcoming your uh, welcoming all your emotions as you say with curiosity and compassion rather than judgment and anger or fear absolutely i mean this none of this is about judgment it's about awareness it's about noticing it's about being curious um, it's it's about being curious about one how we're how we misidentify ourselves, you know, as egos running around doing our thing versus souls walking on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's about where we get over identified with this ego aspect, which is kind of our our false identity, right? That orients us towards fear and feeling less than and conflict and striving and competing and accumulating and all these other things. Um, but we all have this aspect in ourselves every minute of every day. So there's no judgment. It's just like, oh, you too? Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Good and point. then we just be with each other with it. It's like, oh, okay. Well, how, how, can, I, how can I help you in this moment to remember who you are and, and to uh, allow the, whatever's happening that's you know, difficult emotion, difficult thoughts, um, struggles in relationships. I mean, these are going to happen all the time. We just have to watch them so we we see that they're happening and we're experiencing them, but we're also remembering that they're not all of who we are. You know, that's how, that's how we do it. And that's what I, I'm hoping my book is an invitation for that um, to, to just to be curious and be compassionate with all of it because we're all in the same boat together. Oh, I love this Peggy. And I love when you say, <laughs> how can I help you remember who you are? Oh, mm-hmm. cause we get so bogged down with everything, right? Expectations and, and that inner judge and our, our saboteurs that come out and these, it's just, Oh, it's a lot. And our fears, it's a lot and it's constant and it's relentless. <sighs> you know, that's the ego mind. It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. It, and, and, and when people say like, you have to kill your ego or blow up your ego or leave, you know, leave your ego behind. I mean, that's never happening. Right. My, and most spiritual teachers will say, no, you have to love your ego mind. And that's mm-hmm. what I say as well. It's like, you have to love your ego mind. It's just part of you. Yes. It's part of you. It's trying to help you. It's got a big job. It's trying to keep you safe and successful and surviving. Right. So we just have to say, oh, okay, I hear you. Let me let me just move you over here to the passenger seat. <laughs> You're going to be here with me. Just come over to the passenger seat and let me let me let my inner wise self take take the lead. Because the ego self is not wise. It's it's panicked and it's 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 in a different mindset um, than the soul mind. That is so beautiful. I love that concept that kind of maybe a lot of us go through life and our ego minds are driving and we don't even realize it. And 
you know, reading your book will help you realize it and then give you the ability to say, hey, why don't you move into the passenger seat and let my soul mind drive? That is the wise part of me. That is the the loving, kind, compassionate, caring side of me. Connected. The, yeah, connected. <laughs> Eternal. Yes. Ooh, yes. And and let so just move over and and I'll take the wheel, but you can be next to me and I'm just gonna keep an eye on you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I always say that, you know, give give the ego a, a, a bag of Cheetos. You know you're on a road trip. <laughs> In the passenger seat and having some Cheetos. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Um and we have to be light with this stuff. We have to be you know, you have to have humor with it. Yes. It's, it's the human condition and, and it's not changing. It's just about how much drive time each aspect of us is going to get. And that's where we have choice because we can pay attention and be mindful and watch. And then there's a little bit of space as we do that to make different choices. You can't choose love or choose anything if you're not present to make the choice. That's what you had to do on a big scale when you lost your son. And you have to do it every moment, right? Choose love. We all have to do it every moment. We have to say, oh, did I just, was I just loving and kind and treating someone else as the soul they are Mm -hmm. when they're doing my groceries or helping me wash my car or whatever's happening? You know, there's all these moments where we're just meeting each other and we have Mm -hmm. to remember, just like us, that person is a soul in a human body here temporarily Mm. only here to serve their love so how are we how are we meeting each other (laughs) i always say wouldn't it be lovely if if we greeted each other the way we do when we see a baby or a puppy (laughs) it's like oh my look at you you're so cute right (laughs) i love you right and we don't we don't do that we don't even sometimes acknowledge each other as we walk through our days it's so funny. I have this story. I took a, a speech class. I think it was Dale Carnegie. And so we had to give a two-minute speech every week. And every week you would get a pen. It, you know, whoever won uh, the, the contest, whoever had the best speech. And we all voted on each other. And so I walk in the first day and I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm doing investment banking. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like hitting it out of the ballpark. I'm definitely going to win the pen, right? Well, it turns out I never win the pen. And and the very last class, I had my speech all ready. And I walked, I came home first before I was going to my Dale Carnegie class. And I walked in the house. I was living with my boyfriend at the time. And the dog, I had a dog named Bum. Oh my God, greeted me at the door you know, just if, if he was speaking, he would have said, I love you so much. I love you. You're perfect. Oh my God. I've been waiting all day for you. And I don't care that you yelled at me before you left. I just love you and you're forgiven. And I just love, love, love you. It's, I just have love for you. I'm so happy to see you all of that. And I walked in, my boyfriend was sitting there, same room, watching TV, never turned around. And I actually waited to see like how long it would take him to turn around. He heard me, the dog was making a big fuss, you know, and I put my bag down, everything opened the fridge, never turned around. I literally left without him 
ever turning around or acknowledging me. So I went to the class and my talk, I completely trashed what I was going to say. And I just got up and I said, you know, we can learn a lot about treating one another from our dogs, you know, and how they greet us and, and what they think about us. And it, I got the pen. Because <laughs> everybody <laughs> you got the pen. Love wins. The truth wins. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it's so true. Exactly. Um, I wanted to talk about loneliness quickly uh, because there's a lot of loneliness going on. Before the pandemic, there was an epidemic of loneliness in our country where over half of Americans were saying that they were lonely. And, uh, and of course, now that is has grown exponentially during the past year of basically quarantine. And I loved in the book when you said, do you fail to realize that when you're lonely, you're actually missing your soul self? Can you explain that? Yeah, I, I think people, people feel lonely and, and people are lonely. It's an epidemic. And, but it's born of the ego mind in some ways. I mean, some of it is actual lack of contact, and so I don't want to minimize it that way. But I think many times when we feel lonely, it's because we're not really in contact with our truer selves. And our truer selves know that we're never alone. Mm. We're surrounded by seen and unseen helpers and spirit guides and angels and all kinds of, you know, nature guides and everything else so i think i speak of it in some ways that way which not everybody can hear that or experience that they're not tuned into that but that's the truth of an ever-connected universe of souls in my opinion um and i think sometimes when people get um anxious to be with someone and do something and I'm, I'm lonely. I have to go out and distract myself and do this and connect mm -hmm. with this person and get on the phone and, you know, text and get on Facebook and all these other things. Um, sometimes I think it's like we talked about before, like if you can just sit for a minute and tolerate that feeling and be with that feeling, you know, this loneliness, Oh, what is it? How does it feel? What's the truth? Let's get quiet with it. Let's allow it to be here and then see if some, other truth can come in around it which is that you know missing your soul self the presence you know because when you're present and you're really quiet and, and and with yourself then you're really not lonely you know because you're full you're full of yourself instead of longing for something that you think is going to fill that so it's an inside job oh um, it's an inside job Yes. Yeah. I love and, that. And, and listen, and and also, I mean, I want to be very clear here. You know, we are we are a social species. You know, we we need interaction. We need contact. So, for the people who are really alone and lonely and by themselves, and we all have to do better about reaching out to these people so they're not forgotten. Absolutely. And and that's what's. COVID, I think, has brought forth a little because people have seen images more of people, you know, reaching through the glass and being outside the nursing homes uh. and, you know, having parades and all these beautiful, beautiful things that have happened. Um, 
So there is an epidemic of loneliness for sure. And I don't want to minimize that. Um, but I think that also there's this part that we can, we can find our own connections and fill ourselves from the inside and remember all the unseen support that's happening. If, if someone's open to that. Yes. I love that. I love that Peggy. Um, yeah. In your book, you say, ask the questions about everything in your home. Does it contribute to my soul intention? Is it beautiful? Is it useful? Does it love me back? Is it in present time? Does it have a sacred place to live? Does it help me serve my love to the world? Oh God, it's so good. Wow. I I think that I would be a minimalist, possibly, <laughs> if yeah, I went through. You might be. <laughs> wow, that's so yeah. beautiful. Well, these are the questions we have to ask, and, and people are starting to ask them, and the, there's a rise in this minimalist movement. Um, and some of it's generational, mm-hmm. right? Because people come up differently and um, have different consciousness. And and I always say too, you know, there's no, there's no <clears throat> right amount of stuff. Um, everyone's different. You know, everything I own fits in my car, and it's a coupe. Physical clutter speaking. Um, so everything I own fits in my car. Okay, that's great. But there are minimalists that have that live with 100 things. Mm-hmm. Now think about this: 100 things pants you're wearing oh wow your, your shirt your underwear your bra okay we're at four <laughs> so there's no there's no right uh, there's a sweet spot for everyone and it's different for everyone you know if your your family is an antique dealer you're going to have a different aesthetic around the things you have in your environment right so there's no again it's never about judgment it's just more about it's more about self-honesty and self-curiosity and and being able to say does it really feel right in here, you know, in my house? Does it really feed me? Does it, is it nourishing? Is it chaotic? Is it overwhelming? Is it taking more than it's giving? Mm. These kinds of questions. And I think if we get honest with ourselves, then things begin to let go of us because we see that they're not really of our essence. They're not really essential. And everyone's going to have a different threshold for that. So for whoever's listening, whatever you have is fine. It's fine. Just, Just be sure to take a close look and see what happens if you release even just a little bit. And there's people out there that don't have what they need. See, this is the other piece. It's like there are other souls who don't have a can opener and you've got three. So let's give them one of your nice fancy can openers that you just got on Amazon. It's all exchange. Um, And, and that's, that's a really important piece. There's, there's flow, right? There's this give and take and flow. Um, And, and we have to do that for each other. I love that. And I believe that if you give away, then what you need will come to you as well. I mean, that it's just a continuous flow. And I love that. I was actually going to ask you if you need some toiletries because I have boxes that I can ship to you. <laughs> well, and, and there are many there are many homeless shelters yes. and uh, treatment facilities that could use that yes. stuff. They make little bags for people with all these hygiene things. It's like, and it's sitting in your bathroom 
doing nothing. Right. And that's that's the part. It's like we have to remember mm. that. And I think, I mean, and then beyond that, um, once you clear things from your own house, you have to remember to that this tendency to reaccumulate, to keep buying more. You know, we have to kind of shift our consciousness mm-hmm. that way as mm-hmm. well. I mean, the whole world is set up with goods and goods and goods and choices and more and more and more. So it's really it's really a choice against the the herd a little bit um, because everyone is constantly buying and constantly getting extra of and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. That's true. That's true. Um, so I, I, w- I could talk to you all day and I absolutely <laughs> want to keep in touch. I love you so much. Um, Oh, I'm going to I'm going to kind of wrap up by saying uh, something else that um, you um, said in the book as as we be- beautify space is uh, so maybe I didn't I didn't write it down right. Um, it says as we beautify space by space, our home becomes a soul sanctuary worthy of us and the things we love when it's truly time for it to let go of you, it will. I love that. Absolutely. Trust it. There's no forcing. There's Ah. no pushing. There's no, I have to get rid of all this stuff Ah, today. There's no pressure. When you, when you identify yourself as a soul and you begin to allow your soul to take the wheel, the things that, do not match that will become very obvious just like the things in your bathroom became very it obvious did. and i and i encourage people to remember that these things will they'll show themselves and they'll be willing to let go of you at that point so trust the timing there's no forcing no pushing nothing like that and just remember you know the soul knows i am enough you are enough and there is enough <sighs> and if you can settle into that life will change and we can all help each other. I love that. Thank you so much, Peggy. Peggy's book, well, thank you. Release, Create a Clutter-Free and Soul-Driven Life. Amazing. Um, I, I would love to have you on our book club as well. Oh, that. great. Okay. So um, we will be, we will reach out to you. This is amazing. I love this. I love you. This is going to help so many people. I know this is perfect for our Choose Love movement. And you've already made a big difference in my life personally. <laughs> Great. That's what, that's all we're trying to do. We're all out here. We're all walking each other home, as Ron oh, Doss said. My favorite quote of all so. time. Yes. absolutely it's so true well thank you so much for sharing yourself with us and for choosing love with your book release and we will be in touch and uh thank you thank you so much scarlett love to all your listeners and all the people you're helping and your family and and thank you for what you do thank you all right we'll talk soon It's all part of us, we can all choose love, it'll lift you up, if you let it in, let the heat.
Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. Join the worldwide movement to choose love. Our programming is in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country, in every state, and over 112 countries and counting. We're giving individuals of all ages the essential life skills they need to flourish. You can be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org.